Disclaimer, this podcast is not to be a substitute for individual therapy. If you need assistance, call 911 if you're in the U.S. or any emergency phone number. If you need help, if you feel depressed, anxious, reach out to someone. This podcast is for educational or entertainment purposes only. Thank you. Social workers, mental health professionals, and change agents. Welcome to another episode of the Social Work Rants Podcast. I'm your host, Bass Moreno. Thank you for tuning in to another episode, wherever and however you're listening to the podcast. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at the Social Work Rants Podcast. That's all one word. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Social Work Rants. You could like the Social Work Rants Podcast page on Facebook. Just type in the Social Work Rants Podcast and it should pop up. Hit the like button. You also can subscribe to the podcast on YouTube. Just type in the Social Work Rants Podcast and it should pop up. Hit the subscribe button. All episodes now will also be featured on YouTube as well as all on all audio platforms so wherever and however you listen to the podcast thank you so much for checking out the podcast listening subscribe especially on facebook i've been uh seeing uh, a lot of people liking the page on facebook so i appreciate all the love all the support uh saludos a todos muchas gracias por su apoyo uh it really means a lot um you know your support uh, this week's episode features Kenya Maldonado, LMSW, from New York. Uh, she works at uh, HRA, which is Human Resources Administration, is one of the largest uh, agencies, uh, city-run agencies in all of New York City. Um, particularly, she works at a, a housing uh, department. Uh, kind of like a housing liaison type of work uh, with the city. So coming off the heels of the recent uh, mayoral election, uh, this episode was actually uh, recorded a couple, a week or two before the uh, recent mayoral uh, election. So we talk a little bit about how her work might be affected with the new mayor coming in in January. Uh, her, well, her, her role is what exactly she does in her current role. Uh, she also has a uh, a business called Onboarding Solutions, and she talks about that, how she, what made her start her business. Um, if you've been listening to the podcast, I've been really stressing season three about businesses and how do, how do you start a business, do you need an LLC, and these are all these things that, uh, they don't they they do not teach us in social work school but yet they tell us to go get a private practice so so she talks about her business 
and things like that and we go into uh, the housing crisis that's in uh, New York City um, it's been going on for years so now that uh, Mayor de Blasio is leaving and leaving the city in shambles so we talk about that um, and having a good conversation based on a, a basic need of housing that uh, day in day out all of us need not just like our clients but you know, us as workers and just us as humans in general so um, again hope everybody's well stay safe and enjoy the episode uh, again please like subscribe to the podcast on YouTube I appreciate it now keep liking share uh, episodes share episodes online on, on the social platforms and I really again appreciate the love and support until next time take care Welcome to another episode of the Social Work Rants Podcast. I'm your host, Bass Moreno. Hope everybody's doing well. Saludos a todos. We have a wonderful guest on. Uh, before we go into our guest, uh, please subscribe to the, U- the brand new YouTube channel. Just type in the Social Work Rants Podcast on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at the Social Work Rants Podcast. That's all one word. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at Social Work Rants. You can follow the Facebook page, type in the Social Work Rants podcast, and it should pop up. Hit the like button. So get it while, while it's hot. Uh, oh, wonderful things are happening with the podcast, finishing 2021 strong, going into 2022. So our wonderful guest, Kenya Maldonado, LMSW. If you don't follow her on Instagram, you're missing out because her posts are amazing. They're spot on, tell it like it is. And it's just real, it's honest. And, you know, we we need that in the field. So, uh, Kenya, take it away. Hey, good, good afternoon, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where people are tuning in from, good morning maybe. Um, thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm excited. I, I love the work that you're doing, um, but thank you for that wonderful introduction. So my name is Kenya Maldonado, and I am a social worker who's been in the field for what, a little bit over 20 years now. Um, my current role is I work for city government in the capacity of a senior consultant. So I do a lot of work around uh, uh, coordinated entry, which is a system that's trying to streamline um, how people enter and exit homelessness um, and just kind of getting a big picture of how much housing is needed to to house the most uh, vulnerable people, right? Um, And then on the side, my side business is onboarding solutions. Um, On IG, I'm onboarding staff. 
Um, and, you know, I just started this business sort of out of passion, but also frustration. Um, I'm sure we'll go into that bad, so I don't want to take away from the interview. But uh, thank you again for having me on today. No, no, absolutely. We're definitely going to get into the business um, aspect of, of things because I've uh, been doing a lot <laughs> recording. <laughs> My business setting things up and moving stuff from personal to business, and mm -hmm. all the stuff that they don't teach you in social work school that they should. Uh, they want they they want us uh, go get your LC and do a private practice, but do you need an escort? Do you need like <laughs> do you need an LLC? Do you need a sole proprietorship? Like, yes. yes. How, how does that work? And then every state does things different. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's just a lot and learning a lot is a lot of info and it's like on top of like we have to like if we have our LM or our LC to get the CEU hours, we gotta pay for that and yes. Yes. <laughs> continuing all continuing training and uh, follow like the DSM and then the, the new uh you know, stuff with with the code of ethics and all the changes with that that <laughs> I still haven't gotten into into this either. <laughs> Me either. Me either. I, uh -uh. I, I'm still on DSM four. Like I even like I just like touched <laughs> on DSM five. <laughs> exactly. Listen, I'm right there with you. I get it. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. Um, so where, 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 where are you based out of? So I'm in New York City. Um, okay. So my, you know, my nine to five is downtown Manhattan. But, um, you know, I cover all of New York City and my full time job. I'm looking at the whole New York City sort of homeless portfolio. Uh, so, yeah, I'm a New York City girl, born and raised uh, from Harlem. I'm also Afro Latina. My parents are Dominican and Honduran. So I have a little bit of sasong in me. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. No, that, no, that's, no, that's great. Uh, so, um, um, so what, what's, what's that is going on in, in New York? There's a lot going on. Like I, I've been mentioning on the podcast that this year, uh, and next, even next year is uh, big. Big things, one way or another, are coming for New York. We got a big uh, mayoral race. By, mm -hmm. uh, I guess by the time this episode airs, I, I think the general election might already happen. <laughs> so, yeah. is, you know, we yeah. got a big mayor race, and then next year, uh, you know, the governorship is, is up for grabs. Like, who knows who's yeah. going to run by, by then? Yeah. So, it's listen, listen, there's <laughs> a lot going on. There's a lot going on. Um, you know, because I work for city government, obviously, there's a lot of pressure. Um, and, you know, even in my department, because, you know, homelessness is a big thing in New York. And so, this whole mayoral thing um, under our current leadership. You know, there was some work done, but you know, people, you can't satisfy everyone, right? And so we already have a so-called new mayor that's coming in and he's already asking, you know, they're already asking, like our higher ups are asking us to do like a two-page sort of write-up of what's happening in our department. Um, there's always been a lot of pressure in our department, but it seems like, you know, people are kind of like, they don't know which way is gonna go. 
And so everyone is sort of preparing. Um, and it's interesting that you bring this whole mayoral thing. I don't know if it's a mayor mandate or if a commissioner mandate, but um, you know, coming back from this whole COVID um, pandemic, we were out for a year and a half. And um, you know, some people have reasonable accommodation. There's a lot of stuff going on. Obviously, I'm not going to go into too much detail because I know that that's not what this is about. But um, we were all laughing in the office because we got a, a memo yesterday that you know, when we came back, we had a relaxed dress code. You could wear jeans, you could wear whatever you want. Well, they snatching that from us because as of November 1st, no more dress down. We got to dress back up business as usual. So people are kind of like, oh man, the only reason I was able to roll out of bed and come in here was because I had to relax. <laughs> I have a relaxed dress code. You mean I got to dress up? I have to actually iron stuff now. <laughs> so it's like the running joke in the office because they're like, is this because the new leadership is coming in? Like, what's happening? So, yeah, <laughs> the, the pressure is on. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Like, uh, I had to iron, like, obviously, for work before, before the pandemic happened. So I was ironing for myself. My kids, both of my kids' uniforms, and now the pandemic okay. happened and we're working from home for the most part. Right. So recently, and, and even like the job I, I had prior, like kind of like iron and stuff, but now right. full on iron just for me. And it's like, oh man, it's like, it's <laughs> yeah. Sunday night ironing time. It's Listen, like, I'm not with it. That's what I said today. I said, I'm going to exercise my jean wearing rights until November 1st. Like, now <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm purposely rebelling. I'm wearing jeans every day just because I know that when November 1st comes, I have to make some attempt to dress up and look nice for my coworkers because we, we're not client facing I'm like it's we're gonna dress up for each other like what am I dressing up for so yeah exactly yeah but uh, it's it's interesting I, I saw I saw something that they're like giving an incentive to city employees for to get get the vaccine well, I don't know, because even that came down as of November 1st, they're asking people like you can't even come in with a negative result. You have to have your first dose um, as of November 1st. So I don't know what type of pushback they're going to get for this, um, but I'm going to, you know, stay tuned <laughs> to see what happens because now they're like, no, you have to, you have to be vaccinated your first dose at least by November 1st. So I don't, I don't even think it's an incentive anymore. It's a mandate. <laughs> it's like, you got to do it. So yeah, it's gonna be an interesting couple of weeks coming up. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. Um, yep. the talk, talking about housing, and that's one of my biggest gripes, you know, with being a city kid myself and mm -hmm. seeing all the changes that's been happening. It's, right. It seems like back in the day, like in the eighties, uh, empty plot of lands is mm -hmm. now some sort of housing. Mm -hmm. uh, you know these luxury apartments or mm -hmm. like these uh, affordable quote unquote affordable housing because I feel like our government from from the mayor down the, doesn't right. know the, the meaning of affordable housing. Oh. <laughs> Let me tell you, affordable housing before used to be, you know, like you know, forty, fifty thousand was like the income limit. Now, if you actually look at the housing income limits for affordable housing, you can make up to six figures and it's still, you know, you fall within that bracket of affordable housing because rent has gotten that that expensive in New York. 
Um, and just to kind of go off of what you were saying, like, yeah, I mean, I grew up in Harlem where we had all types of vacant lots, you know, and even um, things like the baseball field, they've taken those out. You know, my brother used to play Little League in Harlem and we used to have a big baseball field um, on 122nd, I believe it's gone. They're luxury condos now. So like any, you know, space that we had available um, to maybe build on or capitalize and do other things, they've become housing. I mean, they're building buildings on top of buildings at this point. And whatever wedge they can find on the yes, New York whatever Times. wedge exactly they are building <laughs> they are building um and let me tell you some of these people with that affordable housing stuff they get a pretty nice tax credit um you know of course as, yeah <laughs> so it is you know a lot of politics a lot of money involved and one of the things that i feel like i get you know as a social worker sitting at these tables just personally i wish at a younger age i knew more about like real estate and investing because there's so much money and opportunity when it comes to real estate i mean everyone needs a place to live right um and sometimes we take that for granted and so sitting at these tables when i'm you know listening to developers and i'm listening to just people in the room that are talking about supportive housing and affordable housing i mean I'm like, dang, I wish that we could keep some of this within our community, you know, Black and Latinos, people of color, like if we had more money and like more investment power, because there is a lot of money on the table, um, you know. Yeah, I'm, absolutely. There's, there's yeah. a lot of money on the table. <laughs> and I'm like, how can I get a piece of that pie? <laughs> right, of course, you know, we're talking about, you know, these brownstones in Harlem back in the 80s, you know, I heard you could have get it for like, as something simple as like a dollar. Yep. <laughs> Yep. And now they're like uh -huh. multi-million dollar properties and all these yep. neighborhoods in Brooklyn, like in, in the middle of the hood, are going for almost yeah. a million dollars. And, and it's yeah. like, for like for like the drug lords live down the block. <laughs> these houses are going for like a, a million dollars. So it's yep, it's true. It's true. And it's like, I, but people are buying it up. They're eating it up. Um, some people are just like they have the cash to pay for this stuff because I can never afford any of these new things that are coming up, um, affordable or not. I think rent is up to like for a one bedroom, you know, depending on what type of income you make, you're paying like 22, $2,300. And that's like a box, <laughs> you know, that's some people's mortgage. Yeah, um, but totally. that's New York City. New York City is definitely, you know, as much as I have a love hate relationship with New York City, New York City is kind of still the place to be. People love it here. So it's always going to be like a money making machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, absolutely. Let, let's see how um, you know, New York City you know, rebounds fully from uh, the pandemic when, whenever it decides to end. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, it was okay. a mass. It was, it was it was definitely a mass exodus. Uh, I'm, I'm living proof. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yes. So yes. Uh, and to see it's starting to bounce back a little bit, and mm -hmm. I've seeing all these IG just crime after crime after crime like crazy, and it's just, yeah, yeah, the crime is. <laughs> out of control, out of control. I mean, I'm like I said, I'm still in New York, but even riding the train out here, like I have to watch my back. It's like back in the days in the 80s, yeah, you the know, 80s, when like exactly. when that, you 80s, know, 90s, yes. right. When it was bad out here, I feel like sometimes it's going back to that. Like I, I grew up in that era where you really had to watch your back and, you know, the, it just felt grimy on the train. You, you know, it, it kind of feels like that a little bit. So that's not a good thing. <laughs> it's right. not a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So and continuing on the, on the housing theme, um, I, I, I feel, I mean, I don't have any statistics. This is just, you know, my opinion or whatever from what I've seen. But I don't think in terms of housing, definitely like the shelter system has been 
hit hard. And I know uh, Mayor de Blasio has tried different things in terms of like renovating hotels mm -hmm. or using hotel space you know, for, for shelters and stuff like that. But I don't think the city ever fully recovered. It was already a bad, the, the shelter system was already bad shape right uh, before but then uh when hurricane sandy hit i think it, it just never fully recovered and then it was never fully really addressed the way it needed to 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 be addressed what 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 do you think about that so i i agree with you um so recently with the covid pandemic um the hotels were being used to like try to do some social distance and stuff so they were moving people from the shelter into hotels as a temporary um situation um and now they're sort of going back and saying like you know covid is not over but you know we're moving people back into the shelters and one of the things that I want to address, which is not necessarily the question you're asking, I feel that sometimes when we speak about shelter and homeless, people have this misconception that it's like, you know, the people living on the street and, oh, that bum, as we used to call them back in the days, you know, the bum. Um, and really homelessness, when you talk about even supportive housing and affordable housing, I mean, they're working class people like you and I that are living in shelter because rent has gotten so out of control that even people working a nine to five have sort of resorted to like, I can't afford this anymore. And so shelter is my only way to try to either, you know, live free for a little bit so I can stack, which you're really not, you know. Right. Um, and, you know, shelter is, I mean, there's different types of shelters, right? Like I worked in the shelter system and I worked in a safe haven also, which is geared towards um, chronically street homeless individuals, which is like a different, um, it's the same model, but not really because they have more um, flexibility with people that live on the street because they understand that they're not so willing to come inside. So they're a little more, you know, flexible with more housing first and harm reduction. But the shelter system is very saturated. I mean, I think that's the point that we're trying to drive here. It is definitely, very, you know, like there's not enough beds. Housing, it, it, there's a housing crisis right now. Um, and people, the more expensive the city gets, the more expensive things are getting, people are sort of kind of going into shelter. Um, there's not enough manpower. There's not enough housing. Um, the city has been trying to figure it out. I know you brought back Sandy. Um, and I wasn't really well versed of what was happening there. Actually, during Sandy, I was working more foster care, which is a whole different- It's another beast. That's a, a whole, whole different beast. <laughs> Um, but yeah, with the shelter system, I've seen more around, you know, the crisis with this particular pandemic and how it's affecting, you know, just people, everyday people trying to survive out here, trying to make ends meet. Um, I'm looking at how COVID has affected manpower because people don't want to do, you know, there's workers that are kind of feeling like I don't want to work in a shelter. Like if I don't have to do this and I've learned that I can do my job remotely or that there are other opportunities I can do remotely, why should I be inside the shelter doing this work? And so right. I've been seeing, because I do work directly with a lot of shelters and like everyone is screaming, there's a shortage. There's a shortage with manpower, um, you know, people, there are people that don't want to get vaccinated. So, you know, there's, it's like a whole HR nightmare. But in terms of the people that we're working with, um, you know, I feel like there's more people that's coming into shelter because, and, and especially now that the colder months are coming, um, during the summer months, I think people kind of do like family reunification and they may go, you know, bed surfing or couch surfing right. with families and friends, right? And so sometimes people overstay their welcome and a family member may be like, no, it's time for you to go. <laughs> yeah, um, and so, yeah. True. Yeah, 
and so people are now, it's getting cold. You know, some people are not with the, I'm sleeping on the street. If you have kids, your only other resort may be, I need to go and either rent a room or I may have to go into shelter. So I definitely see, I don't have like specific stats, but I yeah. can tell you that um, the numbers, um, you know, they're going to balloon. I, and this is just because I've worked in shelter and I know this, the summer months, they go down, the winter months is cold, people come in. Um, so the numbers are going to go up. Um, you know, COVID has affected that. Uh, people are not working. People were getting unemployment. Those benefits have cut off. Um, you know, living wages are low. Like people can't afford to live in New York City, honestly. Um, but the city has come up with programs where they'll pay you know, landlords so they'll help someone move from the shelter into some type of housing if they identify, you know, they're willing to pay family to take people in. Um, they have different vouchers um, that they try to shop around. So they do have options, but even with those options, those vouchers, landlords have been burnt before with some of these vouchers. So they're not so willing to, you know, be so, um, like I'm accepting a voucher. Right. And, and right now, um, because there's this whole uh, emergency housing voucher thing going on, um, the federal government has released, like, you know, the Section 8 list was closed for a long time. It's reopened now. And so everyone is scrambling to try to see how they can qualify for the Section 8 voucher. Um, and I can just tell you that there's a lot behind the scenes um, that happens even with that. It sounds like a good opportunity, but Sometimes to get to these resources, some people are just like, it's not worth navigating all these different systems just to right. get the voucher. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a difficult system and that's part really what my department is trying to focus on. How do we streamline this? How do we cut down so people don't get so, you know, annoyed and disappointed and feel demoralized um, with the process? But there's a lot of moving parts and there's a lot of just people involved. Um, so it's not easy. And there's egos at the table all the time. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> of course, there's always egos and, and, and bullshit. And when it comes with money, it's right. you are crazy when it comes yeah. to money. Yeah. And there's yeah, always so. like, uh, you know, the, even like the rumors of our of New York City's lovely mayor and the wife stealing money. Yeah. <laughs> so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it could have been used for the housing, but uh, mm -hmm. allegedly, allegedly, like I'm yeah. putting this like allegedly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't, I can't confirm or deny. It. I don't know that. You can't confirm or deny that, but that's yeah. been the rumor for the last few years. <laughs> yeah, but I will say, you know, um, and not to credit anybody, I just feel like sitting at the table, like sometimes, you know, as social workers stand on the outside is oh, but if I was running that, I would run it differently. I would do this, I would do that. And then you come inside of the systems and you sit there, you're like overwhelmed with the amount of things that happen. And it's like, okay, well, where do you even start, right? Because as social workers, we come in with like this very tunnel vision. Okay, it's about the client. And I always keep the client at the front. But you deal with other people every day that are not social workers and their focus is not the client. Their focus may be just the housing piece of it, the law, the politics. And so as social workers, it can be overwhelming. Um, I love my seat at the table, but it's also sometimes like, gosh, like, I don't know. Maybe it should just be social workers running the city. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> one, one, one day, one day, but... But even people are like, okay, you're the social worker, you you figure it out, you you got the tools, but like, you know, just because I, I may have like 
experience in the field or got letters after my name. Like I may not have done whatever like you were asking me to do in in the first place. So like mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> you kind of like stuck with like trying to figure something out and you're like already overwhelmed with everything else going on. Right. Yeah. It is like a no-win situation. But I do feel like as a social worker, I always let it be known that I'm the social worker. I'm always going to be keeping the best interest of the client. I don't care what systems are built. Like the client, like I really say, do we reality test this? It sounds good in theory. The system sounds wonderful. However, do you understand if you add 50 more steps? then you're just kind of going further away from the client and their end goal. So we have to be mindful of that. So anytime like I'm in a room, they know I'm going to challenge stuff. It's like, okay, that sounds nice in theory. However, from a client's perspective, (laughs) so yeah. (laughs) And you have to be regarding housing. And you're right, there's not enough housing, even supportive housing programs. I recently interviewed somebody who who, does the supportive housing work or at least the case management piece and you know doing mm-hmm. hra to the 2020 ease like form yes. online and it's yes. like he told me the whole the whole sis the whole system like i used to do that and like things have not changed that was like <laughs> a yeah. difference it's like oh man it's like yeah and it's not enough for housing for there's not enough housing period there's not enough housing no, for anybody not. and we have all these you know, vulnerable populations that mm-hmm. we see every day that we studied in social work school and we see it and it's just not enough you no know, we got seniors we got you no know, families we got people with mental illness we got domestic violence shelters we got a common yep. diagnosis with the hiv and and, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. substance abuse together you know, the, the mm-hmm. hasa clients and, and, yes you know, you know, yes. and, you know, and all this stuff. So, um, speaking of, speaking of Hasa, like, what, like, what's going on with uh, for Hasa is housing for people uh, diagnosed with with HIV and AIDS. So, what, what's going on with that with that program in the city? Because I haven't heard much at all uh, regarding <laughs> that, that program. So they're still functioning. Um you know, business as usual. I know that I don't work, well, my work with HASA is primarily around supportive housing. So I um, used to have a relationship with the person over at HASA, but I think that, you know, they kind of restructured a couple of things over there. Um, And so really what I get to see on that end is when they're referring people to housing. um, And then like, you know, when people get accepted too. Now there are um, housing that are specific for people that are um, HIV AIDS, like there's a lot of funding in that. I'm not well-versed in it, so I'm not an expert, but I do know that they have, because I get to see in the system when it comes to housing opportunity that there are, um, you know, specific housing set aside. So they have specific units that are set aside for people that fall under this specific category. Um, So that's the best that I can tell you Um, in terms of like their leadership. I know that, I would not be able to speak to all of that because I'm not well versed. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. I, I I was just you know was wondering because I really haven't heard you know anything, and it kind of seems like that specific population has always been like left behind and not talked about, and yeah, still got the stigma of of HIV as it is, but that that plays a huge part, right? Part, right. part of that. So mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, no, they definitely. 
have opportunities. I mean, Hasa, from what I see on my end and from, you know, when I used to sit in the meetings with the, the people um, that were in charge of like housing, is that they'll pay for a lot of things for people that are HIV and AIDS, um, you know, um, and they have services. They have specific services that are geared to this population. They're housing that's specific to this population. They pay for storage. So they do have the resources. I don't always know if the people know this, um, but they have different centers throughout the city where um, you know clients can go and get services and they have application. They have the 2010 E application that they can fill out um, and then it'll come up specific that they are like pop H, which is like the HIV AIDS category. Um, and they also have like a NISHA application, which which is a separate application for, I guess, different type of housing. So there are resources, but like I said, it's been a minute since they sat at the table with me. So as of lately, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> and, and this is and this is specific for New, for New York City. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. gotcha. Yeah. 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 I, I man, I I work with that population, the house and some of these apartments, like they is <laughs> immaculate. It's like. Studio one bedrooms and yes, pay for storage. Yes, give them cleaning supplies. Give them like pots and pans, like brand new mm -hmm. pots and pans. Yes. All they yes. gotta do it is pay like thirty percent of their rent. So they mm -hmm. some yeah. clients they they got it good, and some of them know how to play the system to, to get yeah. what they oh, need. Oh yeah, like, absolutely. <laughs> yes. You always find people that know how to, and you know what? I can't even be mad. I'm like, go ahead. No, you, you can't know, because you. it's there. <laughs> it's there for the taking. Go ahead. Do what you got to do. <laughs> exactly. Now, I, yeah. wanted, I wanted to get into, uh, you know, your business, you know, what, what exactly is it? Now, how, uh, how like, you finding, like, you know, formalized it, uh, what motivated you to do it? You know, sure. No problem. So, Onboarding Solutions was sort of an idea that I played around with for a while. So, like I said, I graduated grad school over 20 years ago. Yes, I know I look 12, but over 20 years ago. Um, and so I kind of navigated social work on my own. I didn't really have a social work mentor. I felt like I always found myself in spaces where I didn't have a social work supervisor. Maybe I was like one of two social workers in the space. Sometimes I was the only social worker in the space. Um, you know, when I worked in the court system, I pretty much was the only social worker there. And so I felt like I was navigating these waters by myself. So I always said like, all right, I want to build something where I pass on whatever I learn to other social workers. So I slept on it for a little bit. I said, all right, well, not yet. So then I got into a position where I was the program director of, a, you know, like I mentioned, a shelter program. And, um, you know, I didn't see a lot of people that looked like me in leadership. And so then I'm like, all right, well, like I'm onto something here because how come it, you know, like how come I get into all these spaces where either I'm the only social worker or maybe I'm one of many, but people don't look like me in leadership. And my specific concentration in graduate school was social work administration. So I've always had a vision that I wanted to move into leadership. Um, and I'm not one to back down, right? Like I, I'm just gonna fight to the end. I'm gonna figure it out. I wanna be in the room with the people that are making the decisions and I'm gonna get there. Right. Anyway, so I um, was very happy. I got this position and I'm like, all right, I'm doing my thing. I'm like, you know, helping build a program that was falling apart. And I'm thinking, OK, I'm qualified to be, you know, for the next level. I did what I needed to do here. I've proven myself. And so, yeah, game on. I know I could get this position. I saved a lot of money. I mean, like I did everything. 
I applied for this, you know, leadership, executive leadership position only to be told that I wasn't ready yet. I wasn't given a reason why I wasn't ready. It was just like, you're not ready. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I did everything I needed to do. So I really got frustrated and I said, you know what, enough is enough. Like, this is not fair. I feel like social workers need to be at the table. We work on the front line and I feel like people that look like me only get to a certain point before you're no good, that you're not good enough anymore. Um, And so I sat on this idea and I kept playing around and saying, well, you know what, I should put them on blast. And then I'm like, well, no, that's your social work career. Like, you you gotta be more creative about this. Long story short, um, I started to play and like write notes on board and like, I'm gonna develop this idea. What's the best way for me to put it out there? And um, initially it started out as an idea that I wanted to do sort of like some type of coaching and um, bring all the social work agencies to the table and do some type of like revamping how they recruit people into leadership. I'm like, you have the talent within your organization. How come you guys are always recruiting on the outside? Right. but then because I'm in a city government position and I kind of sit with the very people that will probably be my customers, I'm like, well, I can't, <laughs> can't really do that like that. But it's great to know who's, you know, leading exactly. the ship at every exactly. organization. So I said, well, the next best thing is to tackle the second goal that I had, which was how do I impact change with social workers? Like, how can I sort of do this mentoring thing and put social workers onto game in terms of like, these are the skills you need to move up. And so I said, you know what, let me combine these two, but let me start out with the sort of client facing one, which was the easier one. Let me start out with the social workers and sort of put this thing out there where I can help you with your resume so you can get the right words to grab the attention of recruiters. Um, I can help you with cover letters. I can help you with mock interviews so that you can know what to say so that we can start getting through these doors um, and, and breaking these glass ceilings to get into leadership roles because I feel like as social workers, not just people of color, but just social workers, we need to be at the table making these decisions. Um, so I finally sort of went on and I started my website. I did everything from scratch. I do everything. I'm like, I'm the, the, the content creator. I run the website. <laughs> I do everything. Um, and I still was, you know, that imposter syndrome. I'm like, well, I don't know if I'm good enough. Like, I don't know if people are really going to buy into this idea. It sounds good, but I don't know. Right. Um, Got on IG, you know, started playing around a little bit by little bit, started posting certain things, but I still wasn't showing up as my authentic self because I'm like, well, if I come on here and I just kind of don't show my face, then they'll think that is a white person behind this. And like, <laughs> then it's cool, right? It's cool. Um, and then, you know, then my friends started kind of saying, well, but like, this is your business and they need to see that you're a woman of color behind this idea, like own your stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, I'm still a little nervous about it. Um, Anyway, I um, finally said I was going to come out of this like uncomfortable zone and I'm just going to start to be real with myself without necessarily throwing agencies under the bus. But I feel like people probably can relate to some of the stuff that I have. Yeah. Um, so I just started posting like some days I post and I'm just like, all right, I'm scratching. I probably am going a little bit too far. And people just started coming to the page and, and they started liking it. And, and then, you know, I put the resume thing out there and then like I actually started getting customers and I'm like, wow, like, wait, I can really do this. Um, and now I'm here, 4,000 followers strong and still going. Um, and I'm just, you know, I'm shocked, but I'm not shocked because I know that we need it. Um, and I feel like sometimes as social workers, we're always in these little silos. We feel like this, but we don't talk about it enough. We don't talk about that there's money in social work. Some of us take these opportunities and we don't, you know, we don't negotiate at the table. We just take things like, 
all right, well, 35,000, cool. And there are things that I learned along the way that I'm like, now I look at things differently because I've been in leadership. I look at the budgets. And so I'm like, I need to put my social workers on to game. Like there's money yeah. at the table. <laughs> Let's go get it. Yeah, How long did you start the business? Like how long? Um, so I would say two years ago was when I finally started to kind of play around with it, but I've been almost one year strong with the content creation and like, you know, getting people to the page and having customers, um, and people sort of believing in the product. I would say I'm close to a year with that now. Um, and it's been a journey. It's been a journey that I'm, I'm grateful for, um, because, like, I didn't think that it, I knew it was something good, but like I said, that imposter syndrome always shows up like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the, I, I know what you mean. Even like, you know, starting the, the YouTube is like, how, how do I put this freaking video? And it's yeah. so simple. It's just like, just put it on, like record on Zoom and like, you know, pay for it. And just yeah, put it yeah. up. And it's, that's, so the content creation, uh, actually somebody put me on game about another video source. Oh yeah. yeah. To uh cut to cut these videos and just like no start learning how to put clips up and and, and get to get this brand yeah. <laughs> even more. So it's just yeah. I'm trying, I'm trying. That's like learning as, as you go and like like even today, like I finally um converted my, my auto loan from like my my personal name to my business name. So Right off. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. But these are the things that they don't teach us in social work school, right? It's always like, all right, we're going to graduate. You're going to go into the field. It's private practice or you're going to work for a nonprofit, right? And so you and I are sort of stepping out of our comfort zone to do something different. And I mean, we've been in the field for a little bit, so we've seen a little bit. And I think that things are changing now. Um, you know, I haven't, I don't know. I just feel like it's a different, when I speak to new social workers, I'm like, oh, they doing that? Like, I don't know. We didn't do that in social work school or- Or, you know, or like, they still doing that? Yeah, yeah, that too, that too, that too. Or even sometimes when I come across some resumes and I'm like, you went to the career center? Like they actually let you walk out with this? Like this ain't, you know, like this is not gonna get you through the door. As a hiring manager, I wouldn't even call you back. Um, so, I mean, it, like I said, it was something that was like, I was passionate about, but also frustrated. Um, and being in the field for a while, like you see things, um, and, and just being a hiring manager, like I said, I used to get resumes and I'm just kind of like, wow, like we don't speak to our skills enough. I feel like social workers are so diverse and we have, we wear so many different hats and we don't, we don't speak to those skill sets. Um, and so I wanna change the narrative around that. I wanna be able to kind of say like, no, it, you, we're not the least paid people in the room. Like we actually can make money. Our skills are transferable. They're not just limited to social work. I mean, depending on how you word your resume, you can probably get a corporate position. So, I mean, we gotta speak to our skill sets. We still spend all this money to get this education. And then we come out and we're complaining, oh, I'm only making 40, 50. No, 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 <laughs> we're not doing that. <laughs> or, or less than that, it's, yeah. these nonprofits, they, yeah. the pay is terrible. It's like, I, yeah. I was doing the job search and like for a while, like late last year and, and it's like, <laughs> it's crazy, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's insane, yeah. but. And then I see more and more people post about the transferring of skills to, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. like corporate America, stuff that we do in social work that you said, like transfer over and say, like, whoa, like, uh, 
that I don't think that is even really talked about in social work too either. So <laughs> like, so you do you do stuff, but then you realize that it could be done in, in something else. But they like kind of like I want to say brainwash, but it's like this is like mm -hmm. like this in social work, but that's it. So yeah, no, absolutely, client centered and. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, even something as you know, people say, "Oh, I'm a case manager and I'm documented." I'm like, do you understand that case management is or sort of project management as well? Now, imagine putting project management instead of case management. The feedback is different, but a case is sort of a project because you have yeah. to you have to delegate, you have to multitask, you got to come up with deadlines, you have to you know come up with a goal. That's all project management. But as social workers, we're not taught that. It's just case management. It's like, all right, that's nice. <laughs> but this is really a project. <laughs> they don't tell you that. Yeah. They don't tell you that. So yeah, we definitely have to speak up our skills. Um, and I, I enjoy um, receiving resumes. I enjoy speaking with, I mean, because the resume service is not just for entry-level social workers. I've gotten, you know, experienced social workers that come and just, you know, they've been out of the, the game of a job search for a while and they, you know, haven't updated their resume in a while. And it's like, all right, let's work on that. Um, the mock interviewing, I love because as, you know, someone that did hiring for an organization, I like to ask those hard questions and really challenge people to come out of their comfort zone and, and how they answer the questions. Um, because, uh, you know, we do the day to day and we don't think about how much we do handling one case. And so I challenge people when I'm interviewing, I'm just kind of like, all right, um, you know, tell me about a difficult client. I don't want to just hear, oh, they did this. Tell me who was involved. We're interdisciplinary team, you know, like all of that. Tell me your story. And, and that will make you more marketable than someone coming in and just saying, well, you know, I did this and I just followed up and then I closed the case. No, let's talk to like walk me through everything. Um, so I challenged my social workers uh, to really, you know, look at your resume and, and think about is it really telling your story? Because a lot of times we miss the mark. We're not telling our story and we're not speaking to the skill sets that we have. Um, so yeah, that's really what onboarding is about. It's about um, changing the narrative, letting people know there's money in social work. Um, you know, that you have, sometimes you have to make your own path. It's not going to be private practice. It's not going to be, you know, working for a nonprofit. It can be what you and I are doing, podcasting, you know, starting your own business. And that's okay. I mean, that doesn't mean that you're watering down your social work skills. That means you're incorporating it into other things that you like. <laughs> so, right, absolutely. You know, find, find something, doing something you actually like, like what a concept. Like, like, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're at jobs, all the, even like mm -hmm. now, like working in, in the school and it's like school is like, I know it's going to be crazy because of the pandemic and mm -hmm. it's no, no being remote, but man. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm already like burnt out already. I'm like, when is Thanksgiving break? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean, but the kids had it hard too. I mean, they were home oh, of course. for a year. Yeah. Um, in New York, they were home for a year and it's just like adjusting um, to just get, being back in school. But yeah, I'm, I can imagine. I, I can imagine what you're going through. Like, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. But I commend you because, you know, I know. <laughs> Yeah, and, and it's kind of like you no know, no similar with, with this everything going on this you know, pandemic is we, we're really going to see in the next these next year and change mm -hmm. going into we probably really won't see 
a huge difference to probably like this time 2022 mm-hmm. just really the like the full impact and just people like right. really taking a breath for like like a deep sigh is like well what just happened and I know. moving yeah. forward and you see mad job postings and but yes. like you like you said earlier like if I could work remote or figure something out mm-hmm. own or starting a business and I'm you know making a half making the same amount of close to what I was making before right. working a nine to five like I'm not going back and yeah, <laughs> you know, no. people, so it's only time will tell yes this pandemic changed the game for a lot of people like you know just it's different and, and I feel like even social work is going to look different because in New York when this whole pandemic with the kids going back to school there was like a mass hiring for social workers and you know when, when have we been on the map like this uh so I think this is a chance for us as social workers to to capitalize off of this as well um you know because for the people that don't want to work for those people eager to have an opportunity I feel like this is the time um because companies are actually paying money because they're so desperate <laughs> so this is the time but yeah it is this different <laughs> yeah I mean I, I've noticed definitely with uh, a, a lot of jobs for social work especially here in Delaware they were definitely looking for elementary school uh, social workers and you know, with, you know with state benefits or even like the state contracting out to other agencies mm-hmm. uh, for looking for social workers so it, it, Definitely, it's still a need because people are still looking. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's, but but I feel like it's it's still like you got to either have your LM or LC to really like get these opportunities. So like, yeah. okay, for our, our graduates that like just got their that are not licensed yet, they're kind of like you know stuck in a way and. It's, right. Right. That that part of the uh, oh, well, in social work, I, I'm not I'm not really feeling feeling that, and yeah. and even more more uh, companies are looking at LCs mm-hmm. compared to LMs, and it's mm-hmm. like you know you got it. We either like gotta like take the take the test for the LC, even though right. we don't want to do clinical work, but just to have like the extra letters to get the extra money, or you gotta create something on your own. So it's right. It's an interesting, there's a lot of opportunities, but it's like, you're still kind of kind of stuck in a way. Yeah, I mean, that LC, um, I personally, I didn't even want to get my LM because I was just like, I'm going into administration. Like, I don't need to take it. And I graduated in a time where you were able to take your LMSW exam before you graduated. And then they stopped that. They stopped because people were taking it like three, I think up to six months before you graduated, you could take it and then some people were grandfathered in when it was like the CSW that became LMSW. Um, I waited seven years after grad school to take my um, LMSW exam. And then the LC, I've worked in clinical settings, but I never really like pushed too much to get the hours. So I, I'm just kind of like, I'm old. I don't think I'm gonna get the LC at this point. <laughs> like I can, you ain't gonna get no hours and studying from me at this point. Like, no. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I do see that a lot of people want the license. Now, I know that some positions do like the probationary, that they'll hire you contingent on you passing the exam. Right. Um, so they have that. And then they have people, you know, organizations that are willing to let you get the hours on the job as long as someone can supervise you so you can, you know, sign off. They can sign off on all the hours. Um, but I feel like we can get creative with stuff like that, right? Because we're the social workers. And half of the time, people that are posting these positions are not social workers 
workers, they just put like, okay, what's the requirement? Okay, Elsie, then that's who we need to hire. Um, and so if we can talk more up our LMSW skills, um, I know it's not clinical, but maybe we can buy into some of these organizations, like more organizations that be willing to support us, pay for us to get the hours, um, you know, hire appropriate supervision, because even that seems a little funny sometimes. In some yeah. organizations. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I think that if, if they want it, they need to support us in that. A lot of organizations want a lot of things, but they're not willing to pay. But I also feel like as social workers, we don't speak up either, right? Because like in my interview or when I interview people, I tell them, you know, ask them if they're willing to pay for your LMSW or reimburse you for it, right? Or your LC exam. Are they willing to, you know, offer you clinical hours? Are they willing to pay for that? Like we have to advocate for ourselves as well. And I think that, you know, social workers, we're big advocates for our clients, but we don't do a good job in advocating for ourselves. Ah, absolutely. <laughs> I, so, I still struggle with that. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like that's an area where in order for our field to be respected more, we need to open our mouth and talk about what we need, right? We need self-care. We need, we need certain breaks. We need, um, you know, advancement opportunities. We need them to pay for CEU hours. There's a whole list that we can walk in there with. Um, and so when people come to me and like, oh, my job is not doing this, I'm like, okay, but what are you asking? Like, what did you ask for at the table? Because some of these things should be negotiable. Um, and even if they say no, at least you know you asked and you know kind of like, am I going to take this opportunity or am I not based off of the answer that they gave me to this? But if we don't ask at all, then we're doing a disservice to ourselves. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I really feel like as social workers, we need to do a better job at advocating for ourselves and asking for what we need up front, because if they're not going to pay it to you in dollars, they can pay it to you by reimbursing you for some of these credentials that we need to do this job and to, to keep our license. Yeah. So I think that's one of my takeaway messages is that when we're interviewing, when we're, you know, trying to negotiate certain things and even in the job, um, you know, asking your supervisor, like, how are they willing to support you um, with some of these things? You have to ask. A closed mouth doesn't get fed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and, and I, I've learned it in, in in my, my almost 20 years in social, in social work, just because somebody got an LM or LC, they know how to supervise you or know what the hell they doing. <laughs> so, <laughs> no. so just no. for, for, all the, for all the newbies or, or, or everybody who's still in school, like just be, be mindful of that. So. Yes. I did a post around like, um, you can have a 4.0, but you can still be a bad manager. Uh, book smarts and actually working out in the real world are two different concepts. You could have aced everything in grad school. You could have an LMSC, all of that good stuff, but you could still suck as a supervisor. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree with you. And that's a training within itself. Um, you know, I didn't go through any leadership boot camp. I wish I did. Um, because sometimes it's sad to say, employees have more issues than our clients sometimes we're people yeah, we're humans too we're humans yeah. too and we come in with baggage and sometimes it's harder to manage our staff than our clients because staff become hr nightmares sometimes um and so that's something that i learned quickly when i had my leadership role and just managing people um people have personality you know it's not somebody you can just shift and say all right i'm gonna move you over here um another thing that i feel like social workers struggle with in leadership is 
holding people accountable. Um, we don't hold people accountable um, as supervisors, I can say. Sometimes you don't wanna have that confrontation. And so you let staff get away with things over and over um, and you create a headache for yourself. And then you're like, oh, how did we get here? Well, you got there because you never held the person accountable. You didn't start a written warning. You didn't put some type of corrective action plan together. And so, you know, for anyone that's looking to move into leadership, it's lonely at the top. Everybody's not going to be a friend. Um, you know, you have to you have to manage up to the CEO and everybody, but you have to manage down to your team. You got to keep a, a fine line between being too friendly and also being able to enforce the rules. Um, and, and you got to be no nonsense sometimes. Everybody's not going to like the decisions you make, but at the end of the day, you're responsible for running a program or organization, an agency, um, and your name is behind that. So you got to really think about like, how are you going to run your ship? Because that can make you or break you. Um, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So yeah, everybody can't be a manager. It ain't for everybody. <laughs> it ain't. It really yeah, isn't. I, did, I did my toe in that. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't get much support, but it, yeah. wasn't, it wasn't for me. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the, the a buzzword. Uh, Self-care has been thrown, thrown around yeah. a lot. Uh -huh. um, but what do you do to practice self-care? So I, I just, now I've learned just shut everything off, right? Um, you know, before I used to be on call and I always felt like I was walking on eggshells and so I couldn't really self-care. And so now, um, you know, I just make sure I take time for me and try to engage in non-social worky things, right? Because self-care is not, oh, I'm not, you know, at work, but I'm still talking about work with my peers. No, <laughs> I, I try not to even hang with social workers when I'm all, like completely off because I don't want to hear anything. I don't want to hear about a crisis. I don't want to. So I really try to, um, you know, reconnect with myself. Um, so I know some people are like spa day for me, sometimes it's just going jogging and getting in touch with nature and just kind of like recharging. Um, it may be just, you know, watching a movie that, you know, I, like I have like a whole playlist of things I need to, um, you know, kind of watch. So it may just be doing that. Um, I like to listen to music. So sometimes it's just like listening to music and getting in my zone. Family time, you know, hanging with my mom, sisters, like just things that have like disconnect completely from being a social worker. I don't want anybody to even ask me for advice on the weekend. I don't want to hear <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> no, just leave me alone. Um, but I think it's really important because I feel like sometimes we don't know how to disconnect. We just kind of like just keep going and going and going. And um, I had done a funny post that says, um, even when I'm not social working, I'm social working. And um, it's a real thing. It's a real thing because you find yourself in situations where like, oh, now you, all of a sudden you started a conversation and now like, wow, I'm analyzing and diagnosing. <laughs> um, but me time, me time is very important for me. Like, I don't need to, um, you know, have a full spa day. Sometimes just taking a bath is like good for me. Um, vacations are wonderful. I love to go on vacations and just like disconnect from the world. Um, but I think that, you know, people self-care in different ways and it's whatever works for you. Um, but my biggest advice is just nothing social worky, nothing work related. Um, you know, some people are like, oh, I volunteer. You know, that's not self-care for me because it's still social work related. Like right. <laughs> that maybe around the holidays. But when I'm saying self-care, I mean, turn it all off. Like nothing that's related to social work. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So how was uh, 2020 for you as a person? I mean, just 
overall 2020 for you? Well, 2020 was definitely some trying times. I lost my dad in 2020. Um, so that was sort of like a, the beginning of like, oh my gosh, because, you know, my dad, my parents were married um, over 40 years. So like dad was like dad. Um, and so to lose him sort of like in the middle of like this global pandemic and just trying to cope with that, um, to add this extra layer of sort of confusion, um, it, it, it took a toll on myself and my family. But I will say that, um, you know, just thinking about what he would have wanted for, you know, me in terms of like, he always said, live your life, do what's best for you. Like, you know, don't live with regrets. I think that, you know, um, losing him kind of was the push to sort of go out on the edge and do this whole onboarding thing full-fledged. Um, and so I think that 2020 was a balancing act. Um, I was grateful to still be employed, to spend time with my family. But I also think that it um, helped me in sort of, I don't know, owning who I am as a person. Because um, I feel like I've been walking to that. But I think that 2020 really sort of closed the deal for me and saying like, it's now or never. Um, because one of the things I feel like I learned in 2020 is that life is short. You know, for a good while, all I saw was RIP, RIP all over Facebook. Anytime I logged in, it got to the point where I didn't even want to log in anymore. And so I said, if I don't learn anything else from 2020 is that either you do it now or you're never going to do it. Um, and so I went harder with onboarding and I don't know, it's just been like uphill since then. Like it's just been, I've been able to connect with more social workers. I've been able to live in my purpose. Um, I've been able to just boost my confidence in a way where I'm like, you know, you have certain things all along, but then it's like, I don't know, one day you wake up and it's like, oh snap, like it just all comes together. So oh that was, yeah, that's 2020 for me in a nutshell. It's <laughs> so, so freaky because I, I like really like, that kind of describes me in a, in a way too. No, my condolences, no, we you lost your dad. So, you know, I have my, my loss too. Right, yeah. Uh, with, with my mom and then just, uh, you know, I started the podcast right. and like, I moved to a whole other state during yes. the pandemic. Right, yeah, that's big, that's huge. That's huge. Open my LLC, so I did my, Got a house, bought a car. <laughs> I did bad shit. Yeah, now <laughs> but, or never. <laughs> now exactly, or never. now or never. It's, but I call, I, I call this COVID era the the era of shooting a shot. You know, just like reaching out to different people. Yes, I connected with so many different people. Yes. You know, you know virtually. And if somebody, people started doing like vir virtual Zoom parties, like social work yes. things <laughs> and and not participating and meeting different people and you know, figuring things out and just you know, reaching out like LinkedIn and like, DMs on IG, like, hey, right. I'm on the podcast. Hey, I'm, I'm doing this yeah. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> to a point, like I came up with like a, like a mini script. <laughs> like started sending back people stuff. So like- Yeah, that's dope though. That's dope. <laughs> so like, I totally feel what, what definitely resonates with me you know what what you just said in terms yeah. of living living your purpose and the worst that can happen is like no and you try and you're gonna make mistakes the best way to make mistakes is just learn and yes absolutely you know, hopefully it won't cost you any money <laughs> make right right yeah or, or not a lot of money <laughs> business, you're gonna be uh -huh. making mistakes and 
Yeah. Like, yeah. like I, I could have been doing this. My whole drama with the car, like I should have, like, if it took like another two months, if I would have learned like two months ago, I would have like not even like gone through like half the drama I did with the cars. Like here's like already in the business name, Josh, like yeah. <laughs> from yeah. the beginning. <laughs> Living, you learn, though, you know. Exactly, so, and, that's you, you have to. <laughs> yeah. And just continue, keep pushing, keep grinding, and yeah. try to make the post. Like, just like keep grinding a, a lot, yeah. a lot of good, a lot of back coming in a year time. But just keep, keep pushing, keep grinding, keep, mm-hmm. just keep going. This all, all you can do. And a lot of us are still gonna be at home because yeah. working remotely. So, it's just more opportunities to just reaching out to people. And, yes. You know, on zoom or something else come out in 2022 we're gonna be on that yes (laughs) look there's nothing but time and opportunity right now and i never really understood that until now like i feel like as negative as it was with this whole pandemic there's some good that came out of it for a lot of us because if we didn't have this time to reset and recharge we would have been just spinning our wheels saying i have this idea and the idea would not have ever been, you know, given birth to or whatever it is. And right, so, of course. Yeah. So I think that we needed this. I mean, some of us needed this in order to get out of our comfort zone. <laughs> yeah, just how these ideas and just even just like the writing poetry is just literally popped in my mm-hmm. head. And yeah. Like, oh, this makes sense. Like just writing. Like yeah. just makes sense. So like, okay, keep going. And it's like middle of the night. I'm like, I gotta wake up right right now. Yeah. Something. I'm like sleeping. It was something popped in my head. Like hey, if I don't write it right down, it's like I'm gonna forget it. So <laughs> that's the way I am with my content. I'm like in the middle. Oh wait, that's a good one. Let me jot it down real quick. Like, it, but, but once you get in that flow, it's just it comes naturally. It's like okay, now you know. Because some days I'm like, all right, I don't really have content, and then I'll see something, or like you said, I'll be in the middle of sleeping, and then I'll pop up and be like, that's it. I got it. I know what I'm gonna write about. So I. I actually like being in that zone like I feel like I didn't even know I could be this creative so I'm excited yeah I didn't know either I, I, I joke around I said that was like the antibodies when I first got the <laughs> antibodies in my system like I, I did the first antibody test but back in April and it was like and I finally got I, like the first COVID test I took like and came back negative but I had the antibodies like that I think that was it that was like <laughs> started like the the creative juices and just like learning and right. you know, stock markets and all this stuff and yeah yeah and just constantly learning always on the zoom always on some somebody's ig live learning right, right. And like even my fiance was like you still on this ig live <laughs> <laughs> give me some attention like it's like i'm on somebody else's ig live they doing, they doing they talking about stuff like i'm learning like i'm not yeah. like BSing, yeah. like I'm trying to learn and, and help us grow and help the kids grow. Mm-hmm. So it's just exactly and that networking is so important because it's like now even in social work I feel like it's not always what you know it's who you know and sometimes oh, yeah, being absolutely. in the room with the right person can change your whole situation so yes no absolutely just you know networking uh, and just staying in touch with like past co-workers if they mm-hmm. leave and they become like directors or whatever like like even like a, a past supervisor or director like mm-hmm. helped me get get a, uh, a a placement when I was in grad schools wow. like in the agency that she was in because nice. uh, 
my grad school didn't help me <laughs> with a placement. So <laughs> I, think he so I had to do it on my own, but I had, but I had the network right. to talk to and like, hey, I, you know somebody or whatever. And so yeah, yeah. Like, people always talk about don't make friends with coworkers. You you need you need you that. Need like, yeah, you need them. And those are the things that we need to sort of like change the whole like undo some of that like there's a lot of unlearning that needs to be done about that you know like that and you know not not being friends with co-workers even the idea of like no self-disclosure with your your client I mean I feel like they need to know you're a little human so it's okay you know just a little bit but yeah I feel like there's so many things in social work that we've been taught that we have to sort of unlearn um so yeah I think that one definitely speaks about the co-workers I mean like you never know who might you know surpass you and and may have liked your work so much and want to add you to their team so it's good to make those connections because I mean I'm circling back to some of the people that I started my career with and you know we look out for each other you know we stay in contact we look out for each other hey this is the opportunity coming sometimes there are things that I pass on like hey you know somebody's doing a podcast you know maybe you want to be featured on it I, I love this whole thing I feel like IG that platform has really helped us connect even if we're not co-workers I just feel like the closer that we come together and close the circle we become stronger um and then we're able to change the narrative together um because you know if you're doing it separate and I'm doing it separate it's like all right well two separate people but like if you're there's some information that you receive and you pass it on to me I'm like okay well now I know I could pass it on to someone else right. so I, I feel like that's the, what we need to be doing in social work because again I feel like we worked in silos for so so long you may have some information you're not passing it on so it lives and it dies with you um, and so, you know, when I'm on my platform and I'm creating things, it's because some of it is lived experience. Some of it is stuff that I've learned along the way that I feel like other people should know. Um, and, and it's interesting because when I do this stuff and I get the feedback, you know, sometimes people are a little nervous or cautious about putting things on the actual page, but they may DM me or they may email me. Um, and I feel like, I don't know, we need more social work mentorship um, because this newer generation, they're coming into the field. I mean, and I feel like I did too, coming into the field and they're lost. And I'm just kind of like, no, if we can change that and at least give them some foundation, um, you know, we should use some of our platform to do some of that. Um, yeah. So networking is very, very important in this field because definitely it's about who you know and not what you know all the time. The degree is good. I'm not going to say it's not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I learned a no, lot in the field. You know, the networking is. But yeah, the networking. Yeah, to know people in the field, because I feel like the, the field is big, but it's not really that big, yes. um, especially in New York, like you, you know, housing homelessness, that's a very tight knit circle, like you see the same people over and over again, um, you know, foster care, that's kind of like the same people over and over again. So it is good to network and get to know these people um, and know who's sitting at the table, um, speaking up, you know, letting people know that you're in the room. That's important. It, it really is. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, absolutely. That is important. Like just knowing knowing people in the field, going to conferences, mm -hmm. like networking in conferences or trainings. Like I actually had a, a social work professor that she literally is like, take a piece of paper. No, I, I got this piece of paper. It's going around the classroom. You're going to write your name, write your email, and, and I'm going to make copies. That every, everybody's going to get a copy of this. This is your network. Networking is, is extremely important in, in this field. And, and I kind of wish that, like, at, at least with the 
school at the school taking more at heat to that because mm-hmm. I ended up finding like running into like ex coworkers in the in the same program as well. So it was like I was like talking to them or like mm-hmm. like my co my, the current coworkers going into grad school like the year after I, I started. So right. like I like new people, but like people I didn't know to build those relationships. Like yes. now, like I. Like I barely talk to anybody I went to grad school with. Like, like I still talk to people from like high school and like junior yeah. high school, but like grad school is like, no, no I don't talk to any, yeah. anybody. Or I may have one or two people like on, on Facebook, but that that's really it. So right, yeah, yeah. definitely building that network from, from like Important. the ground up. Um, and it, and it helped like for me going to starting in social work before I even went to grad school. So I already mm-hmm. had like some foundation and then going to school kind of like oh that makes sense now (laughs) yes 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 because I started I started um social work before actually getting my MSW as well like my first job out of undergrad was working at Covenant House as a resident advisor so I mean I've literally worked from the front line to leadership I think I've had like every level position from resident advisor to you know a social worker to supervisor to manager so um yeah I mean, it's, it's social work is, it's cool. It, you know, we, we, social work is what you make it at the end of the day. So yeah, that, that, that that's, that's definitely true. Like, yeah. like, um, I mean, I'm starting having the, the ideas of, I need to retire soon, but <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. But <laughs> I don't know. I thought I had another 20, 25 years left of me, but I'm just kind of like, yeah, what's a get rich, easy scheme. <laughs> Because I don't know. I mean, I, but I still feel like even in my retirement age, I still want to do some social worky stuff. Not sure what that looks like, but I don't know. I'm sure it'll come to me at some point. Right, you gotta, you gotta create, create something else. <laughs> yeah, no, but but that's so true because like once you start with your first idea, then it's just like your creative juices just keep going. Now it's like, all right, I have this other idea and maybe I should do t-shirts and maybe I should do this. And it's like, okay, like I didn't know I had all these ideas. This is what I'm saying. Like, you know, like once a business I, owner. I, I, gotta re- I gotta relaunch these. Like, I- <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm telling you, I'll get one. I'm telling you. Like there's money to be made out here. And I feel like social workers, we shouldn't box ourselves in. Um, even though we're not taught this in school, I feel like there's so many of us now creating these platforms to let social workers know that your degree goes far. Um, and how you use it is really up to you. Like it doesn't have to be private practice. It doesn't have to be working for a nonprofit. We're in an era where you could just be so creative, um, you know. So I think that people just need to find what it is that they're comfortable with it and what they love, find, you know, live in your purpose. Um, but I love, I, I do love my social work degree. I'm not going to lie. I feel like it's opened so many doors. Um, you know, I went to Columbia, woohoo, like, eh. Um, <laughs> That's how know, I feel about Florida. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, it's cool. Um, it's opened some doors. And, you know, I've met people in the field that went there too. Uh, but the funny thing about even that is like graduating from these schools, like alumni are not even, and I feel like we probably have to do a better job with that too. But like alumni relations are like, I think I went back once after um graduation to like you know do like a resume writing thing but I'm not really connected and so like I don't know I mean I don't don't know if this is a question but like if it's part of saving the profession and, and you know having these conversations how can we incorporate some of our schools and universities to the table so that 
we can have a stronger network. I don't know. I, like, I don't really know what that looks like. Um, and so I'm kind of challenging us as social workers to really think about that because the other thing that is coming out for me is like, I posed a question once about NASW and like how many people are, you know, uh, a member. And the feedback that I received is like, all right, well, if we have this membership board that's supposed to advocate for us and people are not buying into it because they feel like they're not really doing anything for us. So what do we have? Um, yeah. and, and I don't have an answer for that. I really don't. But I'm kind of wondering, like, do we go back to these alumni associations? Is like there's something that we can be doing as a collective um, to bring respect back to the profession? I don't, and I don't know. I'm just kind of putting yeah. It no, I, I I totally see where you're going with it because even like at least from my undergrad, like I I'll still get you know letters or whatever like there. Every once in a blue, like I'll get like something random in the mail, like alumni relations for undergrad. But in terms of like grad school, like I don't really see Fordham like, like do that like at all. They might ask for money here and there, like mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. But man, like, yeah, they got give me some money back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Not giving you more money. <laughs> but like, yeah, I totally, I totally feel you on that. Like, and even like. And NASW, the, the national branch had like some like huge uh, missteps in their mm -hmm. <laughs> social media in 2020, so that mm -hmm. they still dealing with some ramifications of, of, of that. So right. like, like why? Like I think I did the, the student uh, membership like one mm -hmm. year in grad school, and that was it. Like I didn't I didn't get anything out of it. So it was like, what's yep. like what was the point? I could. I don't, like I needed like every dollar, every cent I could get in terms of like I already had like my my son at that point. So like right. instead of giving you membership money, like I need diapers and formula. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get it, and, and that's yeah. I mean, because it's it's not a cheap membership. I mean, like no, it's, it's not. not it's not a cheap membership. And then on top of the membership, you still have to pay separately if you want to do like CEUs through them or, you know, whatever talks they have. Um, and so I just kind of was like, all right, well, I'm considering joining because I think I only did like one year way back. Um, but then when I'm hearing the feedback from people, they're like, oh, no, like I can just jump on social media and I get more from the social workers online than I do from any of some people. And I'm like, dang, okay, wow. Um, but it's so, true. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just kind of like, all right, so like, where do we go from here? But like, New York City, New York State, their chapters are good. Yeah, no, I did see they, they're doing some bold talks or whatever. And I actually participated in one of these chats that they hold around like anti-racism. And I was very impressed. I was like, oh, okay, this is not so bad. Um, so yeah, I have seen their work. Um, but yeah, so I'm just kind of wondering, like, you know, since we have this whole social work movement and I feel like a lot of us have a platform and we're doing big things in our own separate sort of, you know, sectors or whatever. Um, Maybe there's something that we can do as a collective to give back, or I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I'm just kind of like brainstorming. No, no, it it does it, do, it does make uh, for good, you know, conversation moving forward. Something to think, and and hopefully something soon pops up, or maybe maybe we come up with it with the idea. We sleep, we wake yeah. up and like, oh, <laughs> shit, that's the idea. Like, with my piece of paper. Yep, that's gonna be <laughs> so it. in the morning, you. like find a piece of paper and a pen. And yeah, no, I'm telling you, that's why I love these conversations because I feel like with every social worker that I've met, I'm like, wait, 
there's something else we can do. Oh man. So I love these conversations because they really show how passionate we are about the field, but like also how creative we can be. Like we can do just about anything. Cause I feel like the, the profession is missing so much. Um, and so I feel like, you know, I love having these conversations because I'm just kind of like, well, maybe it's not me. Maybe we can do it as a group, you know, like maybe somebody else has the idea, but, you know, maybe it's our own membership group. I don't know. <laughs> hint, 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 I don't know. <laughs> hint, hint, hint. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, you know, teasing, but maybe. Yeah, yeah, of course. You never I know. Mean, you never know. You just never know. I don't know. But, you know, just the idea. I like to throw ideas out there and see the sticks. <laughs> People find you. Yeah. Huh? How I'm can sorry. people find you? Oh, okay. So I can be found on Instagram on at boarding staff. And then I also have on Facebook, it's onboarding solutions. Um, I can also be found on the website, which is www.onboardingstaff.com. Um, and my email is onboardingstaff at gmail.com. So any one of those you can find me. <laughs> Amazing conversation. Thank you so Thank much for coming you. on. Of course. Uh, and we'll be in touch. All right. Thank you so much for the opportunity to, to be on your platform. I really enjoyed our conversation. And hopefully this is the first of many conversations. Yeah, yeah, abs absolutely. All right. Take care. Take care now. All right. Bye-bye.